It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today is Saturday, August 29th, 2020. On this day in 1985, 16-year-old Joanne Hobson went missing from her hometown of Stockton, California, marking the inception of a gruesome, tragic tale. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the 1985 disappearance of Joanne Hobson, a California teen who was assaulted and murdered by the so-called Speed Freak Killers. Now let's go back to August 29, 1985, on a Thursday evening in Northern California. Summer in Stockton was always hot. The sleepy little town in California's Central Valley regularly climbed into the 90s. Together, the pungent smells of dust and agriculture mixed into the thick August air. For 16-year-old Joanne Hobson, Labor Day weekend was just within arm's reach. The holiday would mark the end of many things, the end of strawberry season, the end of evenings spent lingering at the local fairgrounds, the end of summer. It meant back to school. But that also meant new beginnings, like driver's licenses and homecoming football games. There was a certain sweetness to a new school year. Sadly, those beginnings would be cut short. By the time the weekend swung around, Joanne was undeniably, inexplicably missing. Her mother, Joan Shelley, had no idea where she'd gone. Neighbors recalled seeing Joanne around their block that Thursday evening, August 29th, but that's where the trail stopped cold. Back then, there were no cell phones and no social media breadcrumbs to point to where the petite 16-year-old had gone. Shelley knew her daughter was reliable and honest. She would have told her if she'd been leaving with friends or going somewhere far away. After 12 days of waiting in agony for Joanne to pop back up, Shelley couldn't wait any longer. With each day that passed, she worried less about when Joanne would reappear and more about if she would. When Shelley reported her daughter missing on September 10th, the Stockton police were less concerned. They seemed to think Joanne had just run away. They saw that kind of thing all the time with teens. The kids up and left, maybe for someplace fun like San Francisco or Santa Cruz, and ended up coming back once they'd had their fill of fun. No one seemed to be looking for clues in the recent past or considering the chilling events from just the winter before, like the other young woman who had disappeared from East Stockton in December, Kimberly Billy. 
which meant there were no suspicious eyes on the two men who just might know something, each about 20 years old. They'd been lingering around the nearby town of Linden that summer. They'd also been in Castro Valley and Dublin, where no one gave them a second glance. They should have. Sadly, the fact was that in 1985, Wesley Shermantine and Lauren Herzog were just beginning their gruesome, years-long spree of targeting young women all around San Joaquin County. The pit in Joan Shelley's stomach had lodged itself there for a reason, even if she couldn't point to just why. Of course, she knew that Joanne was a good girl and smart, always trying to help others. But Shelley worried about the simple facts. Her daughter wasn't even five feet tall. In fact, she was tiny. At just 80 pounds, she could easily be overpowered, possibly even snatched away against her will. Shelley, unfortunately, was right. And with some time and persistence from the Hobson family, the truth would wind its way out. Coming up, the abductions around California's Central Valley continue, ending in a sobering discovery. Hi, listeners. Here's a series I think you're really going to like. We all know that medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? In the new ParCast series, Medical Murders, you'll discover a disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Murden as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. 16-year-old Joanne Hobson disappeared from her East Stockton neighborhood on the evening of August 29, 1985. Her mother, Joan Shelley, waited anxiously for updates, for her daughter to reappear and tell her it was all a misunderstanding. When no such news came, after holding out hope for nearly 12 days, Shelley reported her daughter missing to the local police department. Unfortunately, no leads would emerge on Joanne's disappearance. Theories would fizzle and the case would go cold for years. But in the meantime, more young women from sleepy Central Valley towns went missing. The biggest development in reigniting the search to find Joanne or her killer came over a decade later in 1999. 
two men from the neighboring town of Linden, California, Lauren Herzog and Wesley Shermantine, had been arrested for their methamphetamine-driven spree of suspected murders. They soon stood trial for the killings of two young women, one in 1985, the other in 1998. Investigators found that the two men, friends since childhood, had spent the last 10 years high on meth and preying upon local young women. Seeing a pattern emerging, a detective from the case got in contact with Joan Shelley. It looked like there could be some connection to Joanne's disappearance, but there wasn't enough evidence to definitively link the cases. Joan Shelley would have to press on to find the answers. After Shermantine was sentenced to death row, Shelley went on to visit him at California's San Quentin prison multiple times. During one of Shelley's visits, Shermantine made a shocking confession. Not only did he know things about Joanne's personal life, he insinuated that he had killed her. Shelley was rattled. She looked her daughter's killer in the eye. She was sure of it. And yet she still hadn't been able to give Joanne a proper burial. She had to get Shermantine to disclose more, like the location of her daughter's body. Incentive, however unethical, was all he needed. In 2012, while still on death row, a bounty hunter offered Shermantine over $30,000 in exchange for information. The hunter hoped to find the remains of multiple victims Shermantine and his partner had likely killed in the 80s and 90s. Shermantine delivered. He gave authorities details about where the young women's remains were buried, including hand-drawn diagrams depicting a property outside of Linden, a town about 15 miles east from Stockton. These pictures led investigators to a decrepit well where they found hundreds of fragments, bone fragments. These were soon matched to both Joanne Hobson and Kimberly Billy, the other Stockton teen who went missing in December of 1984. In a nearby ravine, investigators found more skeletal matter from the two women Shermantine and Herzog had been convicted of killing. Finding Joanne's remains seemed to be the end of a long and heartbreaking road, but there was still the question of excavating them. The process proved poorly organized and frustrating. The fragments were unearthed with heavy machinery that jostled them with blunt force. For Joan Shelley, it was of the utmost importance that her daughter's remains were handled with care, especially after the family had spent over two decades thinking that they'd never have anything to bury. It was heartbreaking then that heavy machinery, as Joan Shelley's attorney put it, chewed up, pulverized, destroyed, crushed, and commingled the findings. The sanctity of the area, both as a gravesite and as a source of evidence, had been marred. Chico State University lab results show that the remains given to Joan Shelley consisted of at least two other people besides Joanne. It was a difficult note on which to end the years-long quest for answers. 
A 2018 settlement in court over the mishandling of the excavation provided some closure, however. The Hobsons were finally able to move forward with honoring Joanne. As Shelley put it, Joanne was full of life, and that memory was what they would pay tribute to. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this one, check out ParCast original, Solved Murders. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It's executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Mackenzie Moore, with writing assistance by Ali Wicker. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.